This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Well, welcome to episode number 37, According to Flint, and happy to welcome a... I don't know if I'd call him a lo- an old friend, a longtime friend, coming uh, to us from the interrogation border in the Del Rio sector of the, <laughs> the, the, the interrogation room on the border in Del Rio, Texas. I don't know. I'm trying to think of where you're. Look at you. You're in this the shower. Room, this, room, this, this is the room. This is, a, this is a room that this is the room that you're in that like if you're trying to get into Canada, or you're trying to get into Mexico, like when they pull you aside in this room, they're about to put their finger in your butt. So this is <laughs> like that room. Mr. Bates, come <laughs> with us. This is come our, with us. Our dog, de- our snap, our dog detected something. Brandon Bates, the one and only Brandon Bates. No, Former, they, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you're, uh, you're in Park City, right? I'm, Park in Park, City, I'm, in, I'm in Park City, Utah. And I, I have this, I have this shared, the shared office space. It's like a, it's this really cool thing. So if any entrepreneurs are watching this or listening, they take, they, they had taken this old bowling alley in Park City, Utah and converted it into this shared office space. Um, and it's super cool. It just has a bunch of offices everywhere, like a bunch of Zoom booths where you can be soundproof. They have like an entire coffee bar and like, it's just a really cool space. And, and, and I have three kids. So, and today's obviously a holiday as well. So being able to get out and away from my kids and, and get somewhere quiet is a literal miracle in itself. But here I am. So that, that's why I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a sound type booth. I'm in a booth. Yeah, uh, speaking of, of, you know, for all you're, you always in, in our conversations through the years, and now it's about being an entrepreneur. It's uh, businesses here. And, you know, that's innovative in Park City, Utah. It makes sense that it's there. Ad- address it now. You're wearing the hat. America, we grow beer. I see them in every airport I'm in. And you are, give me your title. That is Rural Cloth is the company. You are the owner, founder, CEO. I don't think people know that. I, That's good. That, but that, but that, honestly, that was always kind of my design. I mean, truthfully. Um, so if you want to go way back, <clears throat> I'll give you kind of the, the, the ethos behind Rural Cloth and, and why I started it. Very entrepreneurial. You can, yeah, I'm, I, I, I am very, I'm, I'm very entrepreneurial. Uh, that's kind of, you know, kind of who I am. Um, man, I just, I just love challenges, right? Like I, I, I love challenges. We'll get to that in a minute. But Rural Cloth was something that, that, I throughout my years of the PBR, uh, I was watching, you know, obviously the success of Ariat and Cinch and Wrangler, like what I call the big three, right? Mm-hmm. And but we're we're going to we're going to can you guys hear that whenever I get yeah. an email notification? I got that's crazy. How is that a <laughs> well I don't at I least don't know why. at least we'll know if you're truly a businessman and get well, that's, an email. But I, well, that's yeah, okay. I'm, I get, yeah, that's, a, that's going to be the problem here is, is what, what we got to do. We got to, we got to shut some stuff down. Um, but anyway, so <clears throat> long story short, um, I, I just was consuming, you know, I was watching people consume Western lifestyle events as the PBR as a PBR announcer, but I'm not necessarily seeing a majority of them that are wearing, you know, Wrangler Cinch and Ariat. They're wearing Columbia. They're wearing Patagonia. They're wearing, you know, the super cool product, right? But these are left-leaning brands that don't really speak to who that consumer is that's taking in the Western lifestyle, you know, sports. So I just thought, look, there's got to be a gap there. And, and I always kind of had this thing with the clothing space and I just, I liked it. At least I thought that I did. I, and I do like it, but I, I learned a lot now along the way. Um, and so into, you know, I started, as you know, I had plans to leave the PBR, you know, whenever I, I think I was 39 at the time and I decided, you know, I was, I'm getting ready. I always said I wanted to leave by the time I was 40. So in 2018, I really started formulating the plans to leave the PBR, started rural cloth as a business, um, stayed in, 
uh, for a year with the PBR. And then the summer of 2019 decided I was going to retire from the PBR and completely focus on rural cloth. Um, and, and it, it's, it's been great. We, we kind of went from kind of zero to now we're in roughly about 800 retail locations around the country. Yeah. I, I was, uh, saw a kid in an airport this past weekend. I can't remember if I was in Bozeman or Chicago, one of the airports. And, uh, I said, my good buddy is, uh, he, he owns that company. And of course the guy, the kid thought I was full of crap, but you know, <laughs> right. but I see that everywhere, you know, uh, there's a whiskey or a America. We grow whiskey. Yeah, We have this whole America. We grow whiskey. Like, and we, ha- and we have a lot of other things that are coming out right now that are, that are some, some other, some, some other really Americana kind of endemic things that are, that are going to support the brand. And, and I really started it to be, you know, products like this, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a pullover jacket that I have on right now. And the brand adoption just takes longer than I think I had ever really truly understood. Uh, so we kind of got in the cap and t-shirt space and they took off like crazy. And, and as, as opportunities present themselves, we'll move more into the outerwear and, and things like that. And, uh, but right now we're just having a lot of fun, man. Yeah. I mean, the company is great. It's, it's profitable. It's supporting my family. It's supporting a couple of other people that I have working for it, their families. And, and that that's the most important thing to me. Uh, I think is being able to build and create these, you know, small economies, right. That can help other people. And so, yeah, that's, so, you, you know, talking about me being super entrepreneurial, I just, I don't know, man, I just think we only go around one time and, and I know what it's like to be broken naked. And that's the least of my fears. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have a men's group at church here. We, we, we meet on, on like every other Thursday and, it's a group of, of really successful entrepreneurs that have already made it. And, um, and I, you know, like I tell them, I'm like, my biggest fear is, is the other end of the spectrum. I, I am really, I know this is going to sound crazy. You're going to laugh, but I, I would be more fearful of having a hundred million dollars in the bank. That weight and responsibility for me is what's that, way more concerning than, than being broke and just getting yeah, by. That day. weighs like, on me too. I, I, uh, <laughs> well, I don't, it, really... is, it doesn't weigh on, doesn't weigh on me yet either. I'm just saying like, out of all the things that, that, that could, that, that might, you know, that concern me you know, being super rich, I, I've got some, I've got some really close, super rich friends and um, some of them have handled it well. And some of them some have of them not haven't. handled it well. Hey, so. I, you know, to me, it's a deep, there's a, there's a really brutally honest for, that I don't share very often outside of my close friends but I'll kind of share it here in the rural, in the, the Western sports, the Western industry, we we've watched so many people retire or end their careers with, with nothing. And we all want people to do well, but it seems like in the Western sports world, when you always have something working, then people are like, Oh geez, what are you focused on here? Well, Oh, look at Bates. He's, he's got this going or this guy, I just picked you, but you know, it is a very contradictory uh, kind of industry we're in where if you if you do succeed or pursue something else, there's a little almost stigma. And I know there will be people watching this disagree, but I've seen that. Um, we want cowboys to do well, but then when they do well, they're sellouts or... Right. Do you know, can I, am, you know what I'm talking about a little well, bit. Well, yeah, I think you're, you're kind of partly describing the reason that I made the decision. I made the decision, um, I, and it was kind of partly made for me, but at a very young age, 22, 23 years old, you know, um, to, to basically just all in focus on the PBR and not rodeo. Uh, you're describing a little bit because like I couldn't stand the politics in the announcer world of, of pro rodeo. I couldn't stand the politics of having to go kiss ass to every rodeo committee of every big rodeo that I wanted to work. Like, and, and that was just, that just wasn't for me. I think there's a lot of guys that, you know, there's some of them that, that, that like, you know, a really good friend of mine, he knows I'm not picking on him. Anthony Lucia navigates it better than anybody I've ever seen. He's really talented, by the way. I mean, really, really talented. Right. right. Um, live, live, live arena announcer. But he loves he loves that world, man. He loves the relationships. He's a great relationship guy. But for me, like, it was just never my thing. And I just, you know, I wanted to work for one person and, and – we and want we want to kiss ass once, once, just once want for one, one company. Ass. You just yeah, kiss well, one. I, I'm like I'm a one ass kind of guy. Like I don't, I don't like <laughs> I don't like like multiples. 
right? So, anyways, that's kind of. But yeah, I think I know exactly what you're describing. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, people people find success, and and, and we want to you know, somewhat criticize them, or we want to. There's there's a lot of people in the Western lifestyle space that, you know, oh, does he think he's better than me, or does she think she, that she's better than me, or you know, whatever. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's like clothing. You know, like competition in the clothing space. I know some people out there that have some brands and different things like that that are really, really weird about competition. Like if you're if you're against them and you own another company or brand, like you know, they just hate your guts. And and uh. and I don't have any of those because it's clothing. Like there is no such thing as competition. That's like you know, like, you know, casket companies. I guess you can say there's competition, but everybody's going to find one. Yeah, so, yeah you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> what were we? Uh, kind of backtrack a little how long was our career together in the pbr you as an announcer me in the arena what what would you your first year hey when you stepped up and did one of our it would have been the built ford tough series then or the built yeah. bud like no bud like bud like cup yeah yeah let me let me really date myself yeah me no, too bud like me too uh, uh, 20, the first, the first one that I did two that year, it was, I did Nashville and I did uh bull Nanza at lazy. And that was in 2020. That was 2002. 2002. <laughs> See, and that was before, that was before I was, 20 years ago. I was an exclusive anything with PBR. So I never went to Nashville or bull Nanza. So when you first came, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily jump right in with you. It took a couple of years. But, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You were you were kind of you know slaying the dragons of pro rodeo. You were the you were the hottest thing in town. Um, and no, I, I was just a kid, man. I, I was um, I was just a kid, and you know, came up. I, Justin McKee had just moved to television when when TNN and and those guys had done the contract with PBR, and then it quickly became OLN. Um, and then that's when they really needed me to because Justin McKee went to OLN, and then they had an announcer spot open. Um, Bull Nanza and Nashville were really good fits because of our relationship with the Lazy E, and and at that time they were individually hired. So they they Justin had talked to them about hiring me, and then it just kind of snowballed. And um, yeah, tough, tough, tough week for sure. But uh, you know, Jerome Robinson called me in, and I remember exactly where I was standing. I remember the moment that I got the phone call. Or, I mean, the only thing I can't remember is a specific date, but I'm like, I know the month. Okay, so um, I. I- I'm not going to interrupt your story. I'm going to tell you this though. Part of what I was going to do with you today is say, we all have a Jerome Robinson moment. Yeah. Well, oh, that got, first, oh, dude, so, I, I, I'm not going to ruin it because I've got a hundred, right? Yeah, like, I but mean, this uh, yeah. one is the, when Jerome Robinson called you. you this know, was, yeah. I mean, this, this was, this was, this was my career. Um, yeah. He, he called me and said, Hey, we, we want you to come Jerome Robinson here. We, we want you to come to, to every you know every, every one of our PBRs it was like 23 of them at the time something like that and and I mean I was just you know that was it that, that was when it began uh and that first year that I went to all those events was 2003 uh so really I, I think 18 world finals uh is is probably what what I did um and and that's the thing is like and, and I've done a couple of other podcasts where I've, I've tried to make sure that I that I clear this up because I think people think that that I, that I like left because I was pissed or that I didn't. Oh, that's you know, the, move. that's the thing yeah. right now. If anybody ever yeah. leaves the PBR, JB Mooney. Yeah. He told, told PBR to kiss off. No, he was oh for 2021, two months into the season. That's the truth. Yeah. JB would tell you, but there's always uh what was the blow up? People always do that to me. What was the big blow up? What was the reason? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. I think, I think people, I think people think that there was something there. I mean, and no, it really, what it was for me was a personal decision. I have, I have three, three girls, three daughters. Um, one of them at the time was just born. She was born in fact, January 28, 2019. Um, and, and it was just time, man. Like I had just done everything that I wanted to do. I had seen every big city. I'd been every big arena, like I had done it all and, and, and I just wanted to change. I just wanted, like I said, we only go around once. And you know, to, as we found out with Jerome this week, tomorrow may be our last day, but you just don't know. And I, and the last thing happens, whether it, it, it happens as, as peacefully as it did for a guy like Jerome, or it happens for me miserable on a deathbed until, you know, whatever, I don't want to be laying there going, man, I wish I had, man, I wish I had, I just wanted to go, go do it. Um, and I, I remember where I was when it when it really hit me. I had already kind of had those plans in the back of my mind, but I was in Bismarck, North Dakota at, at Chad's event in the summer of 2019. 
and I'm, I'm in a hotel room at the Ram Coda. <laughs> I was probably next door. Right next door. Probably, yeah. And I called my wife and I said, Hey, I'm done. And she's like, no, you're not. What are you talking about? I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm like, this is it. I'm like, I'm really, I'm like, I'm really going to leave the end of the, at the finals. Like I'm, I'm done. Um, and that was it. That was when I made the decision. I put a countdown timer on my phone and that final Sunday at the world finals. Like, yeah, I mean, dude, it was, it was rough. It was hard too. I mean, it was not easy. Like people like, like that's how I can tell you if anybody thinks that I left because I was like angry or had beef with, you know, anyone or anything like that. Like when that event was over with, like I went into a, a, one of those rooms in T-Mobile by myself and just like sob. I mean, just, oh, like, I saw, un- I, yeah. like, uncontrollably, like for like complete out of breath, like the Richard Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't, couldn't it together. You know, that, that <laughs> moment though, uh, that moment where you said, that's it. I'm done. I remember because I had been offered with the PBR. Randy Bernard said, we'd like you to just, if people want to see you, they know they have to go to a PBR. I said, are you kidding me? I'm still doing this rodeo, this rodeo. And I'd had a hernia surgery that spring. And I remember my rodeo season started back up in June and the, where I was had nothing to do with that rodeo. I don't want that to be misinterpreted. I was in Tooele, Utah. The rodeo in Tooele, Utah in June, my brother Will was announcing, Katie was with me. I said, I'm taking that deal. I'm going to talk with every one of these committees. When you know, you know, and it was the same thing. I had done, I wasn't mad at rodeo. It wasn't about the money. It was just a change. And for me, for me, I kept it in the same realm, you you know, in the arena somewhat. There's, it's very different, but you just know there's something that clicks that, that you just need that change. Now, some people can go to rodeos for 30 years and love being at the same rodeo for 30 years. And go, I couldn't, I couldn't. I yeah, couldn't I'm not that. that guy either. Like, I, I just, I mean, just at all. Look, the PBR needed to fire me or I needed to leave because they need the change. You know what I mean? Like, you can fall into this, this, this realm of comfort with the guys behind the microphone and that. But, like, if everything stays the same, nothing's getting worse and nothing's getting better. And I, and I, and I just, I don't know. I just think that, that you need that change. You know what I mean? Like I just, so anyway, yeah, it was, it was great, man. I, it was, it was an, it was an incredible run. I did everything that I wanted to do. It made, created so many relationships and set me up for life. And, and like my, my daughter asked me this yesterday. Um, she said that she's my 14 year old. She said, what would you change? Like, would you change anything? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like I'm 42 and I wouldn't change a single thing. So, I mean, good and bad. We all go yeah, through good, good and shit. bad. Yeah. I don't, and, I'm yeah. not going to create the butterfly effect. If I go back and fix something that I made a mistake. Right. on. I'm okay. a believer in that too. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, um, <laughs> I, and I'll say this, speaking of rodeo announcers, PBR announcers, and whoever watches this, there's guys that have worked with you and me that know us both and know you very well. There are rodeo names that we, and we're good friends with all of them. I think that's always something needs to be straightened out too. There's the Bob Tallmans and Wayne Brooks and Randy Corleys. And you, you have a great Clem McSpadden story, my brother will, but, uh, but in the PBR world, your name comes up with everyone that worked with you that in a moment, no more pure announcing talent than Brandon Bates, like to create world finals Second, it's it's JB Mooney and Silvano Alves to take now listen, it doesn't work to create a moment. You take a moment and and tell everybody about it. You oh, had a yeah. knack for that, Brandon. Like we just turn it up. Clint Clint Atkins used to go. I'd look at him and he'd go, go ahead, Bates. Just go. Yeah. No, I mean that that was bit and, and the reason why is I think the reason why that that I was able to do that is because I truly like from from the moment that I started announcing number one, I really did love bull riding. Like I just loved it because I, I don't know that there's another pure form of sport. I, I honestly can't think there's two sports that I absolutely love with everything I've got. And when they're they're bull riding in golf, um, I know that they're you know way, way into the danger spectrum. But they're both so pure, right? Like yeah. it's just yeah. you in the head, and it's 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 just, that's it. Like yeah. you decide yeah. if you, you, know, you can take anybody off the street, and they can decide if they want to be the greatest golfer of all time. They can decide if they want to be because it's just them. There's no judge to say you can't do this. So anyway, I loved it, uh, but you're right. Like I I couldn't create those moments. You have to build what's there. And 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 every time that I was on the microphone in those moments, I just 
I, I, I did exactly what I felt like I would want if I was in the stands. If I were in the stands, I wanted to create the feeling. I couldn't create the moment, but I wanted to create the feeling that I wanted if I were in the stands. And, and things, you know how we felt watching the final fight scene in Rocky Four. Like, that's what I felt like every time. Like, that, like when those big moments came up, like, that's what I felt like every single time. Um, my favorite, my favorite of all time, and, and there were so many of them, um, was the Chase Outlaw. Um, the, 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 my final year, 2019, the, the Chase Outlaw moment at the World Finals, he needs to be 98 points. And there's not, and, and at that moment, I remember thinking, there's not one person in this room that believes that he can be 98 points. But let me tell them a story where they they feel like there's a glimmer of hope there. And and I, and so here, here's the great backstory behind that call. I really wish we had had the ability to play it in in this. And and, and Dave Poirier and those guys at PBR have it. <clears throat> but we. We're coming out of break. It's the last, they're the last few, right? We're coming out of break, out of intermission. And I looked at the sheet and I could see what was going on. Chase Outlaw's there and he's got smooth operator. <clears throat> and, I, and I just happened to be walking out of the tunnel back to the announcer stand, coming out of the long break, going to the championship round on the final Sunday. And I told the judges, I huddled them all together. It's my last day, right? Last 15 <laughs> bulls. I huddle all the judges together and I'm like, guys, I'm like, I don't want you to hate me, but I'm about to throw all of you under the bus. So just be prepared. <laughs> And they have no idea what I'm talking about. But I, I had already played it out in my brain. <clears throat> Chase gets on, you know, over the top of smooth operator. I started in my spiel about, let me tell you a story about when Cooper Davis had this bull in Atlantic, Atlantic City, City, New Jersey. Yeah. It was the greatest bull ride that any of us had ever seen in our entire life. And the judges got it wrong. Do you know why they got it wrong? Because he had a chance, and he should have been 98. He should have been 98 and a half because it was the best bull ride we had ever seen up until that point. And that was the deal, right? Like, Chase is in the buck and shoot. So if you think that he needs to be 98 and he doesn't have a chance, you've got to understand this is that kind of moment right now. And, and that, was, that was probably my funnest, like, you know, because I got to do some of the fun things that I wanted to do. I had no fear of, like, the retaliation that was going to come from – Cody Lambert or anybody like that. Like, what the hell are you talking about our judges? And I'm like, I'm taking my shot, yeah, dude, and I'm getting out of here. So. Lambert Lambert gave up chewing your ass a long time ago. He, oh, yeah, he, yeah. he, he got that yeah. out of his system. Yeah. By the way, the Cooper Davis ride, we, we call it, I call it not necessarily the greatest ride I ever saw. But not I, now. But I, not, I, now. not now. But I call it the greatest ride nobody saw. Remember, it was yeah. in Atlantic City and there was 2,000 people there. Remember yeah. that? And I it was a fun there, event. But yeah, because I didn't. <clears throat> oh, that's I, right. Yeah. You weren't there. Yeah, I wasn't there. I watched it, I watched watched it on it. TV. It was right during the middle of elk season. <laughs> I was always hunting that yeah. week. But, I do remember that. No, I mean, yeah, yeah it was. I, so think it was you, I, I, I think you told me when you were getting ready for the Chase Outlaw call and you said, watch what I'm going to do. You used to do the, hey, come here. But hey, it brings you in your description of that story, it brings a, a little different that sheds a light for people on our format of a live show. There's the two things. There's the NFR where, well, there's live TV now, but it was run it as fast as you can. And when the people leave, they're going to be exhausted. I mean, basically, yeah, right, and right. people will say, you guys have all these commercial breaks. It really takes away. It really allows for us during a commercial break to prep, to talk about the storylines. If you go to the NFR, there's never a, drama or storyline created in the live arena. Am I right? Like, it's just, yeah, you're 100%. here it is, here's the product to go. Those yeah. breaks we have allow us the chance to kind of write a script for the moments that are about to come up. Yeah, I mean, it, specifically on that day, right? So, I mean, specifically, yeah. I mean, and almost, you know, really almost on every weekend, but yeah, they're, they're just two totally different products, man. And look, the NFR is great. I, I enjoy, I, you know, I enjoy going there and watching it, but I do feel like through the course of the time that I'm at the NFR, I always say this, I can't tell the first round any different from the 10th round. And and that that's a problem for me. That's it is. Me, I'll be straightforward yeah. about it. And I work at, in the atmosphere of the NFR. It's a problem for me. I, do, I don't agree with it. Yeah. And so anyway, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, they, they, I mean, I just, I just think there's an opportunity there to create bigger moments and, and do some things. But, hey, like, it's their rodeo. They sell it out six months in advance every single year. And, I mean, <laughs> who, who am I to say what, what I would do different or, you know, whatever. Like, they pack the town full of, you know, thousands upon thousands. If not, you know, I don't know. They may get a million people there in a residual effect, you know, but I don't know what the LVE numbers are. But, but yeah, I, yeah. So, anyway, it's, it's, I know what you're saying. We, we did used to have the discussion, you and I. <clears throat> that I don't know if anybody else used to have, and I still have it now, even without you there, that especially now, because there's so much going on with this sponsor, this, and this activation, and this format, and this TV deal. There's an assumption, we'll all be there, the live crew, without the product in the arena, in those coliseums, without that product, if it goes... It all goes. goes. Yeah. Everything is based on the live product. Yeah. It, now, now's where I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, it's easy. It's <laughs> See, easy. I, that's what I, that's why I brought no, that's it. I, and I can like you, like you, you don't, you don't have, you can just sit here and let, let me rant a little bit. Um, it, this is easy. People are going to say that this is a really self-serving comment. However, please remember that I'm not there anymore. Right. So, so understand that, like, I have no financial interest in this conversation whatsoever. The two most underpaid guys in, in that entire room are those two live announcers. I agree. Um, I completely agree, and I've expressed that opinion. Yeah, Hands down. They control the beginning to the end of the product and, and what they do. Uh, you know, Clint and Matt now, you know, they, they should probably pay them, I mean, three times what they do. Um, and and so, so I, you know, like I said, I wasn't mad. But I can say that, you know, had my contract been three times what it was, it probably would have been impossible for me to leave and, and, and impossible for me to you know, do some other things. Um, but, you know, that that live product. And I think there's a lot of guys that are probably underpaid. Right. Like I, I just do. Um, that's just my opinion. The PBR doesn't have to agree with it. They don't they can you know say whatever they want. It's their budget. It's their money. Um, but based on a lot of things that I've learned through my life working for the professional bull riders. This is Randy Bernard and Sean Gleason and other executives involved that have, that have been in, in and out. See, just did it again. Uh, that's, got that's, another, that's Sean wow. Gleason. That's Sean Gleason. Emailing me in. I, um, uh, I, I, I have learned through, and I'm, I'm not even singling him out by any means. No. Randy, I probably, probably learned this more from Randy. Randy and I are on a much better playing field now than, than we were when I were younger. Take care of your people, build your people, have conversations with your people, let them know that you genuinely care about them, not passive art. Like, like my people at Rural Claw, like they know that like, like I, I like money. Yep. I, it's important. But the fact that I care about them and how they succeed and what they do and what, and what they mean to the company, like that's things that I've taken away. And, and those guys may feel that that's how that, 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 that they treat people. And, and I'm not saying that they necessarily don't. I, I didn't feel that strong since when I was there. I felt like I was an afterthought. I felt like, you know, um, hey, you just do your job, sit down and shut up. And, and if we don't like you, we can replace you in two seconds. That's genuinely how I felt about my entire career at PBR. I, I'm not I'm not trying to be an ass, I'm, but I'm like I said, I'm, I'm, that's not why I left. That's not why I left people. I left because had a family and I wanted to try other areas yeah. of business. Um, and let's be clear. But, you've never had to try to be an ass. You, no, no, I've always done a great job. Really of it. great job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but, but, but in general, overall, man, like that, like that, that's just, you know, that's, that's just not how I'm, I'm, and, and that's for all businesses, right? Like all businesses going forward. Like Bob Funk taught me something a long time ago. We can get into that. We're probably going to run out of time. But, you know, Bob Funk is a business mentor of mine. He's been a business mentor of mine for 20 years now. I have so much respect for the guy. And I ask him, <clears throat> we're, on, we're on his jet flying back from, from the NFR one, one year, back to Oklahoma City at night. We, we both go to the airport there and, and Henderson jump on his plane. We're headed back to Oklahoma City. Um, and I'm probably 25. And I remember looking at him and he's at the time 70, 65. I don't know how old he was, but I look at him I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I don't want all this shit. I mean, you got like your leverage to the nines. You got hundreds of millions of dollars. Your company's worth $2 billion. Like, I don't want that kind of headache, but what do I do if I want 10% of it? And he looked at me just as calm as can be. And he goes, people, mm -hmm. he's like, it's your people. 
He's like, it's like, it's what you invest and what you surround and how you treat your people. Because let me tell you what they'll do. They will either make you a king or they will kill you from the inside out. Um, and he, and he wasn't wrong. And that's just what I learned about business. Yeah. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm not singling, I'm not necessarily singling anyone at PBR out by any means. Cause I don't even, I had, I still have a great relationship with Sean Gleason. Oh, completely, yeah. I great, yeah. yeah. I have a great relationship with so many, but I think them being a young organization, being a very macho bravado type organization as well, like in, you know, like Lambert's mentality and things like that. Like it was just like, it was like our way or the highway. And maybe that wasn't wrong. They created an, an incredible product. But I think as you begin to evolve as an organization, the value of your people really, really starts to matter. And, and that's, you know, so anyway, whatever. I don't like, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. I just no. think that, I think, I think there's some, some key people on that crew. You, know, you talk about it every weekend and there's crew guys there. Like, you know, they're like, those guys are incredible. And and they're not light bulbs that you can just, once one burns out, you just screw another one in. Like, mm. I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't either. Um, you bring up Bob Funk. Through your years of announcing, for a lot of those years, towards the end, you were also working for the agency under Bob, Bob Funk as a sports agent handling Western sports athletes. Yeah. it's uh, th- That is an interesting... I've looked at it from the outside a lot because I've never had one, and you know that. Yeah. Did it cost me money? Maybe. I probably left a lot of money on the table, possibly, but I always felt good about what I was doing it with myself. How how do you sell cowboys? I you you stayed in the in the PBR realm because here's what I think. I think value is in television and rodeo is hard to sell. Now starting to be on TV more. But that's been a tough sell. You have to create value. Nobody owes Cowboys anything. I have a lot of young people, yeah. Cowboys, hey, what do I do to get a sponsor? And I work hard and be really good. No, really. No, that's, yeah. We have two tips we give young guys now. Work your ass off and don't be a douche. <laughs> that's yeah. our, and it's hard. What, what do you sell? I, I mean, give us a little of that, what you're doing for Cowboys and how to create value in this. So I think the biggest thing for us in the, in the whole Cowboys thing is so in 2009, Bob came to me and said, hey, I want you to run the Express. At the time, it was called Express Sports Agency. And I was like, absolutely not. No chance. Like, I can't do this. This is crazy. I'm the announcer, blah, blah, blah. Like, <clears throat> And he's like, no, he's like, I don't. He's like, I, I think you can manage it. He's like, I'm going to talk to Randy Bernard and you talk to Randy Bernard and let's make this happen. I still didn't want anything to do with it. It was the most stressful thing that I ever had in my entire life. Like it, like when I, when I took that job in November of 2009, um, they had let their previous guy go for other reasons and whatever. Uh, and then they brought me in. I didn't know I was, I, I wasn't even, hell, I wasn't, I only think I was 30 yet. No, I had just turned. Yeah, I did. I had turned 30 that May in 2009. Um, and I had no idea about the sports agency business and, and they hired me and kind of threw me in there. They just let their guy, we're right in the middle of negotiating season. Um, I had made a comment about Robson. This is, I'm, man, I'm giving you guys so much truth here. I had made a comment about Robson Palermo not being able to articulate English very well. Um, and I had made that to him and, and then to our internal group as well. About It was about some sponsorships that were kind of wanting the Brazilian guys, but wanted them to be able to speak English a little bit better and things like that. Robson completely took it the wrong way. Called me a racist. We're great friends now, but like yeah. that was the first, that was the first week. He's like, this guy you just hired to call Bob. He's like, this guy you just hired is a racist. Cause he doesn't think I speak English well. And I'm like, that's all I'm trying to say. Bob calls him. He's like, are you a racist? I'm like, Jesus, like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, so anyway, um, <laughs> so, so I mean, it was, it was horrible. I mean, it, it was, it was horrible. Um, and I, I remember going in and telling kind of the executive there at, at, at the prodigal at time express, whatever. And I said, Hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to get this ship out in the deep water again. And then I'm gone. And that's probably going to be about March. This was November. Uh, it's 2022. And so I've been there now since November of 2009. 
that's how long that's how long I've been there. Uh, working for Bob Funk is kind of like I always. It's, it's just like the firm, the movie. Like once you're in, like you don't you you will die in there. Like you don't leave that place. And it's not and it's not because they're like some big evil corporation. It's because they take such good care of you. You can't ever leave. Like you you just can't. I mean, I, Bob, let, let me just give you a little insight to who Bob Funk is. And for every business owner out there. Say from the PBR, whatever, a whole nine yards. And this is Express, Bob, anything Express. This is, a, this is Express, Prodigal, the Funk Companies, Bob Funk. This is Bob right. Funk. I get a call from him two weeks ago, and he says, "Hey, I just want to call and let you know that I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna load a travel account for you at the at the travel agency for you to take your family on vacation whenever you want, wherever you want to go, whatever. There's seventy five hundred bucks in there. You use it to go do whatever you want to do, like just out of the blue, like unsolicited, like." Dude, I'm telling you, that's how they operate with their people that that are close to them and that they feel have protected and, and tried to help their companies grow and things like that. And that's not the first time. I bet over the course of 12 years, I, I know this. I know I just know I never thought about it until now. I bet over the course of 12 years, there's been a hundred thousand dollars or more of just ancillary. Hey, go buy you this. Hey, here's a Rolex for being here for 10 years. Hey, there's $5,000. Hey, do you want to go to the Bahamas? Let me pay for you and your wife to go to Hawaii. I mean, like, I'm just telling you, there's been, there's been well over $100,000 over the past 10, 12 years of me working for them where it's just like, we, we just want to let you know that you're appreciated. Like, and, and, and for, their high, for their executives, that, that's what I'm saying. So when you're in that, you don't leave because that's how they treat people. I'm what? I think I have a resume here. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the question that you asked was like, what I, What do I do for the Cowboys? Yeah, we, we've really just managed their sponsorships. We haven't, you know, we haven't ever, we don't negotiate contracts because there's not really, and up, we'll get into that in a moment, but up until the team's thing, there's not really been contracts to negotiate. We just, but, but even more than just sponsorship in the PBR, I started when I came onto the agency, a fundamental belief to develop great talent. That, that is what I'm selling. I want to develop great people. I want to develop great talent and I want them to, to essentially sell themselves. The guys that I have, man, they, they, they do like, they make it easy for me. Tell us, just tell the people some of the guys you represent, if you can. Look, you're, Cooper, you're Cooper. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can tell you all. Cooper Davis, Jess Lockwood, Kaiki Pacheco. You know, we, we help Cord McCoy, Mason Taylor, uh, the, the the new kid Austin Richardson. You know, we we helped Matt Triplett. We he was with us for a long time. We I mean, we've had a lot of, um, you know, I'm I'm at, you know, there's um, you know Eduardo Valderon Silvano was with us for when he was winning his world titles. Um, that's an interesting story. If you want to talk about why he's no longer with us, uh, people ask me that question all the time. Um, and we're still great friends that that's been my proudest thing about the agency is when I have let athletes go or they have went, we've only had a couple. Um, I think the manner of professionalism and how we've handled that, I, I'm still great friends. I don't have one athlete that, that has left our agency that, that we, that we don't, we're not still really close and and at times they can call me for advice anytime um so yeah it's been good what, what's the root the history <clears throat> rodeo is not like other pro athletes that that endorse a product or you know i think of somebody that's a nike athlete they don't wear nike on their sleeve every public uh appearance okay. they make what's the root of that in rodeo it's about and by the way there's more for, for young guys out there listening. There's more to having a sponsor than I'll put a patch on my shirt. There's more. They think that's it. And to a lot of people, that's it here. I'll put a patch on my shirt at the NFR. Give me 10 free ropes, you know, but what's, what's the history of that? What's the, is it a NASCAR thing? What what is it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, I think, you know, that's the only uniform that they have. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's a little bit of what it is. I think it's a little bit of a NASCAR thing. I don't know. I just think it kind of, you know, evolved and you you go back and look at those pictures of guys competing, even in the, you know, the eighties and nineties, there wasn't really sponsorships then. And then they started to come up. And one of the original founders of the PBR was probably the best at it I'd, I'd ever seen in, in the early days was a guy named Mark Kane. That was yeah. eventually my path to the PBR as well. We're both from the same town, graduated in Toka High School. Uh, Mark was great about sponsorships. He, he really developed it. And then there was a, 
the, the first original kind of agent that sold sponsorships was a guy named Mark Neslin. Yes. Uh, that's who Bob Funk actually bought. He bought Mark Neslin's agency and then, um, and turned it into, you know, what it is today. And, and, and like I said, I've, I've been there for, for 12 years, but I think what you're really getting at is, you know, we're talking about developing, like developing talent, right? Like that is, you were talking about the young guys where it's like, you know, about just, you know, give me 10 free ropes. I'll put a patch. Um, man, when, when I take it, when I, when I bring in a guy, like it is a constant level of you know, coaching, if you will, like I have, I have certain things that I want to see out of those guys. I let them know very on very early on that, like, you know, you want to party, you want to drink, you want to do all that. You want to get a DUI, you want to get, you know, whatever, uh, like you're probably not a fit for me, but if you want to focus on a very short career, if you want to maximize your potential in this short window that we have and make no mistake about it, it's a short damn window. Then, then I'm probably the guy for you, but it's going to be a lot of work. But if you look at our track record, we're likely going to turn you into a world champion because I don't sign you. If I don't think you have that type of talent, if I don't think you can be a world champion, I'm not signing. you. It's just, it's that simple. Um, Mason Taylor is a great example of a guy that, that we've been developing, you know, slowly over the past year and a half. Uh, he, he helped a theory that I have, and I've been working. Cooper Davis was really the first one that proved it, but it was about weight. Uh, yeah. It was about weight and strength. Um, and Mason broke his jaw towards the end of the, yeah. the regular season, had to come into the world finals. And, and, and he's, you know, loses 15 pounds. He just can't, he can't buck off or he's riding every, he rides everything. Um, and that kind of goes to my, to my weight theory. Um, Cooper Davis proved it as well. Like, you know, those guys, there's some guys that love to take credit for the Cooper Davis, you know, transformation. It wasn't them. It was me. Hey, the current you, this podcast is the episode after Cooper Davis. Am I right? Look at like yeah. who, and he told that for one, he said, Cody Lambert and JW Hart caught him at a deal and said, there's, there's three fat guys standing here, but only one of them's trying to be a bull rider. And uh, yeah. that was uh, like, Hey, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, we, it, we, and we did, we'd had that conversation. I mean, I talked to Cody, about. It. I just seen an incredible amount of talent in Cooper. And I'm like, Hey, like you're like, you are fat. Like there, there's just no question about it. Like you're fat. Like, and that was when we got him with a, I don't know if you remember then he was sponsored by a company called mountain ops. Yeah. We got him with Mel Knobs. We really started getting him a strict workout program. Dude, he lost 15 pounds, 20 pounds. I'm not kidding. In like 40 days. Like he had a 19-year-old metabolism then, and it just, you know, he could. Dude, he was losing three pounds a day. So, I mean, and, yeah. and, when, and when he lost the weight, and, and here was the story with Cooper is I was like, and, and he will remember, I, I wish you'd have had him on after. I wish we could have, because we certainly could have talked about this, but. I remember telling him, like, when we started that diet program mid-summer, really August, I was like, all I want you to – this was 2015. I said, all I want you to do is just feel your body. I need you to just start – like, I don't care if you buck off. I don't care what you do. I don't, I don't want you to win right now. I just want you to feel it. And when we get to the world finals and you've reached your goal weight, that's when we're going to go foot on the gas – and, and that's when everything changes. So it was a matter of like, we basically used the rest of the regular season as training camp. He didn't win an event going into the world finals was on no one's radar. A good friend of mine, it's a stock contractor, Cody Bear, calls me one day from the Calcutta at the South Point and says, who you got the world finals? I said, bet the house on Cooper Davis. He's like, you are insane. He's like, you're nuts. He's like, but I'll put five. Cause I, mean, I think Cooper went at the Calcutta it was like $500 or something stupid cheap. He wins like 20 grand, but you know, the, the, the Calcutta guy, Cody does. But, but I mean, that was the deal. It's like we used the, the less of the regular season as training camp, got to the world finals. And I'm like, in that now, now, now is when, like, now it matters. So, like, now you prove. And then obviously, you know, confidence out of the world finals, he wins the world wins title. Wins the world title the next year. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I'm talking about the agency developing athletes. Mm -hmm. Whoever, you know, JW, whoever, they can all watch this. They can ridicule me, whatever. Let me tell you, the biggest thing that this, that this sport has been missing is the fact that if you think that you, that you have to be a great bull rider or have had to have been a great bull rider to teach this and to teach people how to be good and how to get better and how to be a champion, you couldn't be more wrong. I don't care what your opinions on it are. I promise you, I've proved through Cooper Davis, Jess Lockwood, Silvano Alves, Kaike Pacheco, I'm right. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm right. 
Like, it, and my wife even said this to me the other day, because I'm like, there's been a couple of guys that just had unbelievable raw talent. Silvano Avis, one of the greatest talents I've ever seen, right out of the gate. Jess Lockwood, same thing. I recognize him in high school. I'm like, holy cow, this, this kid's the real deal. Um, and my wife's like, she's like, but do you think Jess would have won that, that fast and that early on, like, had you not positioned him? Because he's like, you called Cody and you said, hey, go live at Cody Lambert's house. You called people and you, you got him the Stanley Black and Decker deal that, that changed his confidence level. And, and he became a world champion really fast. In fact, he finished 2005. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I didn't ride the Bulls. I didn't create the world titles. There's, I didn't have anything to do with it. <clears throat> but I do like to think that because Lambert will remember this, I called Cody and I said, Hey, there's this kid that's really, really good. And I think he needs to come spend some time with you. And Cody's like, great, send him down. So he's all decked out in Stanley Black and Decker. I remember during the, I mean, I remember where I was at. JW is going to be mad at me for saying this, but JW calls me one night and says, I probably have the text message still. He texts me and he says, Hey, he says, you know, your guy's all decked out in the Stanley Black and Decker, but he can't ride the back of the bucking shoes. Like, he called me and said that. Or te- text me and said that. And I'm like, yeah, just give it a little bit. I, I don't even know that I responded. Because mm. I'm like, I could see it. Like, well, we I, all, you know, we saw that up yeah, here. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so, you know, whatever. My point is, I like to develop talent, and I believe we have a significant role in the agency of developing that talent. Where you're about to see how good or how bad I am at developing talent is in this teams deal that we're about to talk yeah, about. Yeah, which next. we're going to talk about next. And I'll say this before we get to that. I'll I'll say the reason that you don't that it, it, it takes good bull riders to help good bull riders, but they admit there's only a few fundamentals of bull riding. There's just a few things you got to get right. It's a matter of doing them all right and polishing all of this out here to get that right. You know, there's so yeah. anyway. I see it, Mason Taylor. I like Austin Richardson too. By the way, he's good for business. Speaking of that, we'll see what happens. Team, the teams of the PBR. You are a general manager of one of the teams. All right. Correct. Yeah. Now, so uh, now, so, so we've been. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you're fine. But yeah, we we basically created you know kind of a firewall and the guys that we represent. We're gonna we're moving the the you know, during the team season, whatever representation factor of the guys that we represent, obviously we can't do that and be the GM of a team. So we're in the process of creating that firewall uh, now, but like we've never negotiated contracts or anything like that. So it's really just been sponsorship, but, but now uh, PBR's contracted prodigal to be a, the, the general managing third party um, to, to operate one of the two league owned teams, the, which, and that's our, the Oklahoma freedom, by the way. Okay. Good name. The freedom. Yeah, I, I, the freedom. I, look, that's I'm against Sean Gleason. I don't. That's him. That he did. He did great there. I mean, he did. That was that. He called me and said, "Hey, what do you think about this name?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And then like 30 seconds goes by, and I'm like, "I love it." And then like a day goes by, and I text him. I'm like, "I can't. I, I can't come up with anything even remotely that good." <laughs> I loved it. So, okay, yeah. a big misconception right now with the teams. Even though we're now in the midst of a regular season, regular format, crowning world champion. Big misconception is that people think we're abandoning crowning world champion individual titles for a team's format. Not true that it separates. It's the second half of the season is team's format. So we're still crowning an individual world champion. Let's get that straight up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, let me tell you something about the season from January to May. This has been something that has been talked about for 15 years. Yes. And it should have happened 15 years ago. In fact, this this process that we've had where it's been January to December, that's the that's rodeo. That's the NFR. That that's that was their season that we by default accidentally adopted. Kudos to Sean Gleason. What an incredible move. And finally creating a season to where the guys go in short form from January until May and you crown a world champion and you run a season like the NHL, like the NBA, like the NFL, like the MLB, like MLS, all of them. So thank goodness that finally happened. Yeah. Hey, here's what I think. And then I just like to interject. I was thinking about this today before we went on the air. I'm hoping it does not create, we see a lull when you get into, you know, the grind when you get into March, March and April, I've seen a lot of guys use, they can look ahead and go, ooh, 
May and June, I'm off. So I'm going to let up here and I can come back in the fall. I'll get this fall season. I think this is going to maintain, it's going to do the opposite of what people think, including hopefully myself, what I first saw. It's going to force guys to maintain that intensity through the season instead of looking ahead where they get two months off to recoup and start in the fall again. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, and well, I mean, in, in a couple of things, I mean, depending on teams and how they, you know, if a, if a guy's really injured, right, like this, this gives him an opportunity to get to finally get healthy. You know, I mean, this, this really does. I mean, I, I understand he could be a part of teams, but, de, you know, depending on if a, if a guy's going to be, you know, out, right? Like, so if, if a guy has a shoulder surgery or has a knee where you know, you know, from like he gets hurt in May at the World Finals, for example, and you know that he's not going to be available for teams, and now he's got a full seven months to really get healthy for the first time ever instead of being like, well, I've got three months and maybe I can squeeze, you know, maybe the 12 weeks that we can bend that by, by two weeks. And I mean, I just, I just think that this, this is going to be a great thing for the sport. So as a fan, tell me, I'm a, I'm a PBR fan go, man, this bull riding, it's an individual deal. Why is PBR messing with it? What, why should I like the, the team's thing? What, what's this going to do for me? It, d- tell me why I should like it. <laughs> As a fan, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, that's a fair question that I don't know that I know the answer to because I'm not going to force you to like it. Oh, yeah. What I, what I want fans to do, to do what I've done because at times I'm, I'm a general manager of a team. At times I have questioned this a lot myself. You know, we've had those conversations. Completely. Yeah. I, I've been very critical at times of if, is this a good idea? Is it a horrible idea? And there's been times where I'm like, this is a great idea. And there's been times where I'm like, this is the craziest thing. I, I can't believe we're doing this. So I, as a fan, I'm right there with you. I feel you. What I want you to do is keep an open mind as a fan. And the reason why is because these bulls have been dominating the landscape, riding percentages year over year, just continue to go down and go down and go down. Right. But I think for the first time that we are going to see what happens when you put an athlete together with another athlete that will tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, this time you're not just doing this for yourself. You're doing this for my family, too. And I think these guys have something in them that is different than any other sport out there. Number one, they're fearless to begin with. They're willing to lay it all out on the line. When you combine that ability in that mentality in an athlete, I I really think you're going to see something from a, a writing standpoint. I think you're going to see some really incredible moments. Mm-hmm. So I, I I just I just do. I think you're if you like to see great bull rides, I think that's what you're going to get here. So uh are the guys, I, I just did that because that's a great clip to advertise this podcast <laughs> right there. I looked at Logan and said, oh. that's a good clip right there. Uh, are guys, uh, to clear, clarify for, for fans as well, um, it, it instantly they go to the independence, rough and tumble independence of Cowboys. Uh, they make what they win. Some guys win 50,000. Some guys win 500,000. Are guys on a salary and are there bonuses for them winning what's the structure of that uh, uh, explain some of that yeah, there there is yeah there i mean there's an end look there, there's going to be base base salary base you know that'll you know, cover travel and different things these guys are all still independent contractors so don't forget about that okay. like they are independent contractors they're structured in a team format that still allows them to be independent contractors but I, so so their base salaries aren't going to be significant enough to support them or kind of make them, you know, want to ride weird like, oh, I'm getting paid anyway this weekend. Like there's there's a significant rider price pool there as well that, that they can, you know, pull from and win from. So so, you're, you know, you're you're going to see that I, I'm not that's the least of my worries. Like the least concern is like, well, these guys are going to be guaranteed to show up and get paid. They're already guaranteed. They already have twelve hundred dollar a week show up checks anyway. You know, or, or whatever, you know, whatever yeah, they have yeah. that they've had for a long time through PBR. So, I mean, you know, these guys are their, you know, so that's anyway, a, hey, I, you know what? I, I've heard that forever that I'll tell you what's wrong with PBR. These guys have these big sponsorships, so they don't try as hard. Well, then they're not a real athlete. That, this is from people yeah. who have never competed in anything. No, I've real heard athletes. From, I've heard that from some people that have competed. Now I yes. love him. I love him to death. You do Cody love Lambert. you love Cody Lambert. Yes. I do. But, but <laughs> yeah. Cody, Cody, 
I, I really, I really do. I have, a, I have a special relationship with him yeah. um, that that we we can just fight and argue. Like, and he can get so mad at me, and I can get so mad at him, and then it's just over and it's done, and we're mm-hmm. talking about other things. I mean, he's chewed my ass before about. He's like, I can't believe you're getting this guy's this much, you know, hundred thousand dollars in spot. Jess, in the very beginning, I can't believe you know you're doing. You're just gonna you're just gonna ruin him. I'm like. Well, Mikey didn't seem to ruin Kevin Durant. So I, I don't know what the difference is. Exactly. Like, you know, I mean, like, so, and I'm just talking about being an athlete. I, Kevin Durant, I probably don't agree on a lot, but, you know, you get the point that I'm trying to make. Um, so, no, it's not just non-athletes. It's been some athletes that are very close to this sport that have, that have, that have. He just pissed. He never, he never had it. All he had was denim. <laughs> yeah. That's all he had yeah. was denim. By the way. Mad. You're, just, you're just mad you didn't have me as an agent, Cody. <laughs> You know, I was thinking as you were talking about the the uniform and guys getting sponsors. Maybe, I don't know if you have a memory of first seeing that when you were young in rodeo. The first ones I remember, there were a couple. First of all, Deb Greeno, uh, one at Mark Garrett, Clint Bronger, and Dan Mortensen were all DeWalt guys. Remember yeah. that? And they all wore oh, yeah. black and yellow. And that was, yeah. holy crap, look at them. Look at them. They have their own. They're getting paid. Remember that? That was like the yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, the, the, big, the, biggest, the biggest for me was Ty Murray. Like when Ty Murray had the MGM deal. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Ty, Ty, Ty had the MGM deal and the, and the tan shafts with MGM like that. And, and they had him in, you know, in a line with like Sugar Ray Leonard and, you know, all these. I can't remember the other athletes, but like there were some heavy hitters. And that was, yeah. He, uh, I think talking to Ty Murray way back in the 90s with his MGM, everything he had, he was making more in endorsements than any Cowboys now. Like he was oh, so, yeah. he, Ty Murray, he made a lot of, he made, rodeo stars i mean he, that yeah, guy, he, guy i mean yeah and when he was a from rodeo guy the guy walked on water i'm gonna embarrass lockwood you guys can do the math really quick <laughs> lockwood <laughs> lockwood made a hundred times lockwood made a hundred times more in sponsorship last year than he did riding bulls i that is a true number <laughs> Because he that didn't is, do anything. It, he was out. Times. He was that, but he made a hundred times more in sponsorship last year. Agent of the year, right here. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make? Four bucks? <laughs> I, now I got to go calculate. Yeah. It was it was in the thousands. He huh. com- his competition was in the thousands. He made a hundred times more in sponsorship than he did on the back. Uh, I have. Def- I I've defended Jess Lockwood because I've known Jess Lockwood his whole life. Yeah. He's a kid from a tiny town in Montana and I've had him on here before kid from a tiny town, not even a town. Volberg, Montana is a post office yeah. and it's funny. He became 19 years old and really good. And people just expect those kids to know how to handle everything. And when they don't handle it all the right way, they're dicks, you know, it's just, uh, he's learned, he's growing up. He's a good kid. And it's funny. Great ones get hated. Great. You know, JB Mooney's a hero now, but man, people hated him when he threw his bull rope down the hallway. Man, I'll tell you. Yeah. So, uh, but Jess is, he's an inch. I'll be interested to see Jess's, in here what what the direction he really wants to go kind of yeah no yeah uh i you know i i think i mean i don't i don't i don't have any problem saying this i think he's i think he's close to being done uh i think he you know mentally he wants when we talk about developing athletes we don't only want to develop them to be world champions and then to win but well we 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 from the time jess was in high school we started the financial planning mm-hmm. conversations and we started the the right financial people to help guide him because i i told jess i'm like if we do this right by the time that you're you know 40 50 years old you'll have 20 or 30 million dollars in the bank it, it, you don't need the money right now we're just going to let it compound you're going to do this blah 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 blah. um so finances are not an issue for him he's you know he's debt free um and and i think you know as as he's he's won two world titles i think he would love to win three but uh probably not his ultimate goal he's done everything that he wants to he wants to move to the broadcast booth eventually and um, could he's good and, and and could he's he is very very good at it so so yeah i don't i think he's close to being done um he yeah 
Yeah, I, I would not surprise me if he calls me midsummer and we have the conversation about, you know, full retirement at the end of this season. I, I don't know. We haven't had that conversation yet, but I just I have a really close relationship with him. And it wouldn't surprise me if he decides he wants to be done. But the one thing I can tell you, if you're a fan watching this, when he and I do have that conversation, this is not a sport where you come back. So once you once once we have that conversation about retirement, I am going to swing the full full weight force of everything that i have to make sure that he is he's done yeah okay before we go uh we've talked about everything we've talked about your work and my work but i think people should know all those years we worked together in the arena there was never a script between us we'd have a we'd have a production meeting or whatever and i'd say all right what are we doing tonight guys let's go let's make this shit up just like we always do right yeah, the, uh, And if anybody, if I had one video clip to watch that makes me giggle about what you're doing, it's the YouTube clip of the Australian bull snake at the world finals. And you're just following along. Oh no, you did not do that. Oh no. <laughs> it, but it was, I don't know that people... There was a, uh, when it was either you and Schmutz or you, then at the end there it was you and Clint Atkins or you and Matt West and me. There was a real cool vibe in the arena relationship and that was real. That stuff was real. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super, super real. Ne- never a script. It, it was, I mean, it's just an unscriptable show. Like you yeah. can create commercial breaks and, and get this guy's going up next, but like you just have to say what you see. You, you know, that's, that's, it's just, you know. That's, that's, that's all you have to do. Like, that's all you can do, right? You just say what you see. And it's just a, it's, it's a natural, it's a natural thing. Yeah, you always told me that like uh difference in the, the, the role of a rodeo announcer compared to you guys as PBR announcer. I always thought was different. Uh, Is that I never tried to sell shit. <laughs> yeah, you, were, you always told me the difference is here at PBR. We, we, you do, we do sell things different. Uh, Rodeo is kind of a festival and there's queens and clowns and balloons. And, and that's great. That again, that's what that is. You always said, what I do is talk about what's in front of me. Talk yeah. about what I'm seeing. <clears throat> tell the truth. Create controversy. Um, talk real about a guy. And if he's slumping, not everybody's the greatest right now. Not everybody works harder than everybody else. Tell the truth. And that is a difference in how PBR is sold in the arena a little bit. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, look, there, there's times when like, you know, like specifically the couple of years when I went to work over at Ride Pass, like, man, there's athletes that just hated my guts. Like, I mean, they just, I mean, they did because, because I told the truth and they're so used to being told every, you know, all the time, like, oh, he's great. He's, you're doing this good. And I'm like, no, sometimes you're not. Like sometimes you're just throwing up bricks. And, and, and you, people need to know that, you know what I mean? Like, and, I, and, you know, Cody Nance, you just, you just, yes, Cody Nance almost tried to fight me one time in front of the South Point Hotel and Casino. <laughs> this is true. This is true. You, you remember this story? Yeah. Well, I know it wouldn't have lasted long, but go on, <laughs> well, please. So, so, so we're out in front of it. And I know we got to go. We're straight up out of time, but <clears throat> we, um, we're out in front of the click Thompson was there. He's my, he's my reference for the story. He was the guy standing next to me. We, we walk outside the South Point. I used to say this thing about Cody Nance all the time. I said, it's going to be 90 or wreck. It's going to be 90 or wreck because that's how I felt like he approached bull riding. It was just like he – and it was – to me, it was a term compliment. of Yes. It was yes. a compliment. Yeah. I was like, this guy just going to try his guts out, and if this doesn't – if this isn't going well at six seconds, it's really going to not be going well at 7.9 seconds. Like, it's just going to be a disaster. If it's going well – He's got a chance to be 90 or 92 or whatever because it's just wild, right? Like, and it's just fun to watch. That's how I felt about Cody Nance. Cody thought I was being very critical of him, and inside the parking lot, he pulls me aside. We're waiting on valet in from the South Point. He goes, if you say that one more time, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm like, I bet you won't. And, and, I, and I said, I tell you what, I got two more performances to announce, so I'm going to make damn sure that I say it tonight, and I'm going to say it again tomorrow night. <laughs> And that was how, that's the last time. That and we, that was it. And that was pretty much it. Damn and Click Thompson, I'll never, Click Thompson standing next to me. And, and he's just like, 
you know, he has no idea like <laughs> what's going to happen next. And Cody is like, and, I, and I'm, 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 I like Cody. I'm not, but Cody, like, I just kind of called his bluff. Right. And Cody's like, <sighs> he, you know, he didn't really know what to do. Cause he was like, this announcers just kind of bowed up and, and I, and I was fully prepared to get my ass kicked just so you know, like I was yeah. like, I got two days left on this job. Like, just let's get after it. But, but no, and I, my point is I told him, I'm like, no, but you're never, ever, ever going to tell me what I can and can't say on the microphone. You may not like it, but I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth as an announcer. And that's how I lived every single day as an announcer. And I don't regret any of it. I probably hurt some feelings and that's okay. My feelings get hurt all the time, but fans deserve the truth. They need to know what's going on. That's what I loved about my job was being able to tell them exactly what was happening, not only in the arena, but in a respectful way, what was going on behind the scenes too, that made the stories compelling and made that event meaningful. Oh, that's my wife calling me. That's your wife calling. Well, Liz, hey buddy. Uh, I do appreciate the time. And uh, I'm glad we talk a lot because we need to, because we have a lot to cover. So uh, listen, hey, before I go, I know you know my mom and this week is her 84th birthday. Tell Tootie happy birthday. I will. Tootie, uh, happy birthday to you. So, um, <laughs> so happy. Uh, 84, uh, we should all be so lucky. And I'll tell you, you scared the hell out of us there a couple years ago, That's Tootie. Right. And for you to come back full circle and be doing this well, I'm, I'm super happy. So from all of us to you, happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. No, th- thanks for finally having me on after a couple years. Yeah, you know. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs>